Welcome to the Straight from the Crest podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of the Straight from the Crest podcast. I am your host, Michael David Kresovich. Garrett Bastardi joins the show remotely in the Lone Star State. First, we recap Auburn A&M as Garrett got to see Auburn go down again. Touch on Penn State's win at College Park in Maryland. And then we talk about Penn State's upcoming game this weekend against the Wolverines of Michigan. Garrett from Texas, how are we doing, brother? Howdy, Michael. <laughs> my cowboy hat. And my and cowboy. You can't see Garrett, but he has a six-shooter and a cowboy hat, a five-gallon bucket hat, ready to roll, ready to roll. I'm wearing my chaps. I rolled in on the horse. I'm here. <laughs> now, let's start with AM. Uh, it's the second time, like I said, you got to see Bo Nix be Bo Nix. And we talked about it week three. We said, under pressure, this guy is a clown and he's going to make clown stuff. And he struggled. And AM let him have it. Um, and they got the win. What was your favorite part from the game, from tailgating, from being in College Station? Um, <clears throat> Well, the win was my favorite part, I will say. Uh, early in the fourth quarter, it was 9-3. Bo Nick scrambles. Um, the AM defense makes a – I think it might have been DeMarvin Leal made an awesome play strip-sacking Bo Nix, and they scoop and scored for the only touchdown of the game. There was no offensive touchdown. It was a beautiful defensive slugfest, A&M 120-3. The one thing that's really cool about A&M, I will say, is there are – Everybody, everybody has football tradition. Everybody has their different traditions, all that stuff. Some schools do like, you know, they have their own version of traditions that they do. Um, A&M does not have, there is not a tradition that A&M does that other people do. A&M has okay. thing. And I will say people make fun of them for it. It's culty. They get a lot of crap from like UT and stuff and Oklahoma and other schools, but AM people don't care because it is it's their it's their cheers, it's their stuff, it's their tradition. So for example, at Texas AM football games, they don't boo. All right. What do they, they do, Garrett, instead of they, booing? Tell the listeners. They, they hiss. <laughs> and then their fight song is completely about the University of Texas and sawing their horns off. Um I saw an awesome shirt, maybe the best shirt I ever saw, and I might have to get it. Um, it is a picture of like the Texas Longhorn symbol with the horn sawed off, and it says underneath, uh, "You shall cut off you, sh thou shall cut off the horns of the wicked." Psalm fifteen or whatever. It's a Bible verse, and I'm like, oh my gosh! But um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's awesome. That's, that's enough for a And M. I mean, I'm. I'm. But no, but, we, I mean, we want to hear it. it. It looked like a a fun game to be at, be a part of, not necessarily to watch, but anytime. Your team wins. Yeah, uh, it, it's a great day, Mikey. Too. What's 109, that? Hundred nine thousand people. There too. Okay, yeah. so that place was probably bouncing. It's a uh, much like how, without question, Beaver Stadium whiteout game is an absolute bucket list for anybody that likes college football. A big football game at Kyle Field um, at A and M is a is a bucket list for any big college football fan, without question. Now was the place bouncing like it was against Bama earlier in the year when you were down there? It was, um, it, it it was it was animated. It, the the Bama game was so intense for all sixty minutes because it was so 
back and forth. It's Alabama. So it, it, it definitely was a little more intense for the Alabama game. But definitely coming down the stretch in the second half, um, it, it was it, it was an intense football game. The crowd was into it. They're loud. Um, and I will definitely say for the for the Penn State fans back home, um, it, it's a it's a comparable environment. And I would say probably those two stand alone. Maybe you can throw LSU in there um, at, at, in Death Valley at Tiger Stadium. But it's it's a standalone environment when it comes to the intimidation factor. Um, it's an unbelievably like beautiful giant facility. Um, I can't, can't wait to get you down here, Mike, because <clears throat> it, it's something that you'll just be like, Oh my gosh, this is pretty awesome. So it, it, but it's a very comparable environment to a big, a big game at Beaver stadium, which we all know is, is, is about as cool as it gets. So grateful for the opportunity to be down here. Grateful to see Auburn lose in person twice. That's crazy. That, that, that's a once in a lifetime thing. I will never see that happen again in my life. Well, you could possibly see it next year too. Cause I know we've talked about going down to that see the Nets play there. So yeah. It might be again next year. Uh, but there was another game this weekend, of mm-hmm. course, Penn State 31, Maryland 14. The big story there, Garrett, because uh, like you said, you were juggling it on your phone. You were watching your game, the game you were at, which makes sense. 7-6 uh, six at halftime, as you know. Uh, it could have been tied, missed extra point, basically 0-0. Then Penn State decided, hey, listen, we're better team. We have better coaches. We have better recruits. Uh, we're going to go out and play our game. Most notably, Jahan Dodson just completely goes off. The The dude had a career game, 11 catches, 242, and three touchdowns. Uh, it set Penn State's all-time leading receiving in-game, which was Deion Butler against Northwestern in 2005, mm-hmm. which was one of the first games I remember watching just because it was so rainy and mm-hmm. it was a crazy comeback with Michael Robinson. Uh, so it, it was neat to see Jahan go off. And he's so, good. Uh, he, he's so fun to watch. And I think people wow. really take him for granted. Uh, it was funny last week. It may have been when we were Columbus when someone's like the PA announcer said, Jahan Dotson, who's that? And you had your arms crossed and you didn't even skip a beat. You turned around and said, literally the best wide receiver in the country. And I, I'll buy that- <laughs> You might have seen me tweet that out. Yeah. Like, I will fight anybody on it. I, I don't, I don't care about, Chris Olave. I don't care about Garrett Wilson. I don't care about Jameson Williams. I think Jahan Dotson has the best hands. He's the shiftiest guy. He makes plays. Um, he, he, I gotta say, Derek Williams was always the best wide receiver I ever saw at Penn State. I, I think Jahan, Jahan might be better. He might. He very. I mean, we've had some good wide receivers. Allen Robinson. I was gonna say Robin. I think Robinson's my favorite just because of what he's been able to do in the NFL and his. Yeah. Stature, but Derek Williams was the most electrifying. KJ Hamler, throw him in there. But Jahan, um, Jahan's special. He's really, really special. special. Great hands, great guy. Um, just a lot. Of, we can't say, you know, we got to be pretty grateful to watch him, have him on our team. Um, he was originally a UCLA commit, and we were able to flip him from Nazareth. And um, just seems like the man. Glad he's very there. humble, dude, as well. Yeah. Very humble, dude. But let's stick with the offense here. Not a great first half for Sean Clifford. Did get better in the second. Looked more comfortable in the pocket. Granted, it was a different defensive line he was seeing other than Ohio State. Uh, the the O-line props them. I thought they had one of their best games. Uh, and you projected 500 yards from Sean. He may have had it uh, if he played the second half or first half like he did the second. 363 yeah. ended up with. Um, you also loved the over. That didn't hit. Uh, very close. 
but right, it didn't. Um, all right. <laughs> and it it could have gone, but uh, but Tangavailoa threw it fifty-seven times, so we were right there. It's gonna be, it's gonna be. It was a shootout, that's for sure. For for the quarterbacks, they let the thing thing go. That's that's a definite. Um, Jair Brown, I thought, had a great game. Obviously, the interception late to seal it. Fumble recovery, eight solo tackles, was everywhere. The defensive line still kind of concerning Garrett to me because we yeah. started out the year getting after the quarterback. Yeah. Our linebackers were getting to the second or the level of the backfield, getting the push, and now they're not, which I think concerns me going into this stretch of games. Uh, does the lack of pressure or sack raise any alarm in your mind? Yeah, and I, I just I, I just think, you know, losing PJ Mustafer obviously plays into that some. Um, yeah, absolutely. And especially against a, an offensive line that isn't especially strong with Maryland. Um, and you know, for, for Tua to be able to sit back there, I'm not, I'm sorry, little Tua, uh, Tua, Tulia, how do you say his name? You corrected me last week when I messed it up. So I'm going to just say Tungavaloa. We're going to call him by his name. It's Talia, uh, Tagavaloa, little Tua, um, you know, if he he's of great talent, a great arm talent, if you allow him to sit back there with time, he's going to be able to generally make good decisions. Um, it's when you get him off his spot, get him moving around the pocket, that's when he makes poor decisions. We were able to do that a little more in the second half, but in the first half, you know, we were we were lucky to be able. I mean, but this defense is probably the best, you know, inside the twenty defense in the country, red zone defense. They just do not break, and that's been the theme. And honestly, if, if, you know, give up yards, but if you can hold them out of the end zone, the shorter the field gets, the better this defense gets. And that's, you know, we're nine games in. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with how we play defense now because we're going to show up in the red zone. And that's really all that matters. No doubt. And the, the commentary is like I was balancing the high school game I was at with the Penn State game. So I had to go back and rewatch it. But it was funny. I noticed the commentators said that uh, when they said this is where Maryland's offense has been stalling. Penn State's defense has stepped up. But just one of those games where the offense plays a C-plus, B-minus game, and the defense plays a B, B-minus, A game. It, it It's that simple. Complimentary football. I thought Mike Yersich did a better job of really opening up the playbook and uh, just calling a better game um, personally. And it, it felt like a 2016 game. I know I always revert back to that because yeah. it was such a special season. But in the sense of the second half, we we came together and realized we we have to start playing football. Football we know. A team we can beat. And they did that. And that's for sure. Uh, anything else before we transition to uh, Penn State's noon kick against Michigan you wanted to talk about from Maryland? Yeah, just again, uh, one um, the, the, the clock management at the end of the first half, I, I I'll just never, what under, the heck I'll, I'll never understand. I don't like, get it. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know, like sometimes the, the urgency the, or, or the lack thereof with regards to the, I don't want, I don't want to put blame on the coaching staff or whoever. I don't know. They're the experts, but it's mind boggling sometimes. Um, and we're sitting there sleepwalking through another game and there's just seems to be no fire. There's no urgency. Um, I don't know what that was at the end of the half. Um, to t- you, then you use your timeouts, then you kneel the ball. Um, you know, the, they say the greatest rivalry in sports is Andy Reed versus clock management. Well, sometimes coach Franklin 
you know, tries to rival that a little bit. And I, I don't really know why, um, but it, it just is perplexing sometimes. So that that's my, my last take. Um, I would love the team to have a little more fire when they play some of these teams um, later in the season. This tends to happen a little bit, you know, early in the year, we play these, the Indianas and the ball States and these decent opponents early and early in the year. And we smoke them. Um, we've been doing this for a while. Remember the 59 to nothing Maryland game a few years ago, but then you get later in the year, you let these teams hang around the Illinois, the Maryland's, you know, you got to be nervous about Rutgers in a couple weeks. And this is becoming a theme instead of just stomping on these teams throats and, and, and showing them, you know, kind of who the better team is early on. You know, it's funny. I was watching a football game a few years ago with someone, and I'm not going to name any names. And it was going into the half and comparable situation to Penn State. I forget the exact time, maybe 45, 50 seconds. And the defense didn't have any timeouts. And so the offense needed to go in. And this person looked at me and said, wait, isn't the point in football to score a point? And I laughed and I was like, yeah. And so, and the person said, why are, we, why are they needing it? And I said, that's a good point. I said, I, I get the whole, you don't want to make, but you can't coach that way. You can't coach timid. You have to be aggressive. You're five and three. You're not, you're, you're yeah. what do you have like, to lose? Go, go, you go for the fourth and sixes and plus territory every time be aggressive. But that's, that's a good, a good transition. I mm. should say into this weekend, which at first I, I didn't love the noon kick, but yeah. scheduling wise, I know it's, it's not a lot Penn state can do. I wouldn't have minded a three thirty kick. I'm having a hard time visualizing how this game's going to go from a forecasting standpoint. But with that being said, eight and one, ninth ranked Michigan coming into Beaver Stadium. Of course, coming off a year where Michigan won 33% of their games last year, worse since 1962. Um, Har Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, is there. And I'll get into him later in a comparison I have for him that not a lot of people are going to like. He basically kicked his entire staff out except for one guy, and that's Josh Gaddis, someone the Penn State program is very familiar with, who was our offensive coordinator once upon a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, just from a scheme point, uh, a couple things to look at, a couple things to help you guys when you're at your tailgates, your watch parties, you're, you're talking at the office here. Offensively, they're a very spread-oriented team. They, they run the ball more. Uh, their quarterback, Cade McNamara, only has two games over 200 yards passing. Uh, it's it's not an Ohio State. They're not going to kill you deep. What they will kill you is at the medium level. A lot of play action, zone reads inside. At defense, they will blitz you, um, which will be interesting to see how the Penn State line stacks up against that. Uh, Garrett, I'm, I ask this question every week. I'm going to ask it again. When you see Michigan Wolverines on the paper, what comes to mind? What what are the Nittany Lions expecting Saturday? Yeah, th this is a, a, a difficult team to peg down, um, you know, their their identity is fairly clear. They're they prefer to run the football. Um, they were doing it at a, a three to one clip early in the season. They would run the ball about 40, 45 times and, and throw it about 15 to 18 times. Um, that is balanced out a little more as the season has gone on. Um, th th this team should be this team should be nine and zero right now coming into this weekend. They should have beaten Michigan State. Um, I, I think they're better than Michigan State. Uh, and I, I, I just don't know how well the how good of a matchup this is going to be for Penn State, especially given what the weather conditions are going to be Saturday. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. It's going didn't to, know that. Yeah, there's going to be snow flurries. It's going okay. to be, It's going to be ugly, and um, it that 
to me favors the team that can run the football. And so um, if this game is played 70 degrees and, um, you know, there's not a lot of wind, I, I, I might favor, you know, a team that can really spread the ball out and, and spread the field out and, and move the ball through the air. Um, I'm a little concerned when it comes to how the weather will impact this game. Um, it, it clearly favors the team that can that can move the ball on the ground. And, and that's, that's Michigan. That's, yeah, that's Michigan. Penn State is starting to show some signs of yeah. life on the ground. Um, can they continue the trend coming into into Saturday? It'll be very interesting because there still is a lot to play for um, with with this team. If if Penn State if Penn State wins their next three games, it's and Ohio State wins out, it's very likely Penn State will get the Rose Bowl berth. That would be um, awesome. I would be beyond happy if if and, Penn State got to the Rose Bowl to Pasadena. Yeah, and I mean that that's the kind of game that okay, you know, right right now this program is kind of playoff or bust, Big Ten championship or bust. But if you get to the Rose Bowl, that can that can make up for some some hurt feelings throughout the year. But this is a gigantic hurdle um, this coming Saturday, and we'll see. Michigan's coming off a bye. Um, actually, that's not true. They played Indiana this past week. Um, looked a bit, a little bit, um, I don't know, slow coming a- after a, an emotional loss at Michigan State. Let's talk about the run game because, unfortunately, from a statistical standpoint, Michigan owns Penn State on the ground. They, like Auburn, they have a two-headed monster in the backfield who they've both put up great numbers all season long. Hassan Haskins, 829 yards and 11 scores. Blake Karim, 778 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, they're, it's 1-2. Uh, Haskins is one of the best backs in college football. I watched them play Indiana. The dude is, again, making it about Dallas Cowboys. The dude is like an Ezekiel Elliott in the run in the past blogging. He decks people. He is so fun to watch. He, he goes all out almost every play in the past, which is a weird thing, but I just noticed that. And I Kate, one of the best I'm real I'm sorry one of the best No 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 you're good you're good of this podcast so far has been Mike I don't know if you have a contract with the Cowboys or they're paying you you have to get a Cowboys reference in every time and it's always fun to see when you're going to do it how you're going to do it it's I think it's great and I hope the listeners take note I have another one I'm sneaking in later but uh Cade McNamara at the quarterback possession doesn't wow me with his talent. Reminds me of a Sam Darnold type. Um, not to give flashbacks to the Rose Bowl. Uh, he he has some zip on the ball. He does. He's not going to kill you deep, but he he doesn't turn the ball over. He's he's a conservative quarterback who just is a game manager. And I hate using that term, but he he really is. And just on the outside, Cornelius Johnson, uh, wide receiver. He is he's their top reception with his three touchdowns, four hundred forty nine yards. It's kind of like. The 49ers offense, if you look at their top three receivers, Garrett, it's wide receiver, tight end, running back. Mm-hmm. And they're even their number two wide out only has 255 yards. So it's it's a run heavy team yeah. who don't they don't have the wide receivers that that Auburn has that that we've seen uh other teams, even even Ball Ohio State. Ball State, State had yeah. great yeah. of course, Ohio State. So it's it's gonna be a challenge to slow this offense down. And I'm not sure how Penn State does it, but but we will find out. Um let's let's go to the defense. Let's let's talk about their defense right now. Um it's like we touched on earlier, they're a very blitz heavy team. Mm-hmm. Um David Ojaba, he leads the team with eight sacks. Aiden Hutchinson, who you guys are gonna see in the NFL in about a year, uh is a stud. He's got six. And they have two of the best safeties in the NFL, which 
like kind of like the Auburn, they have um, Daxton Hill, who's a freak athlete, five-star, kind of like a Jabril Peppers in a way, not as big, not as fast. And they have Brad Hawkins, who plays down in the box. Uh, Garrett, from what you've seen from Michigan, what does Penn State have to do in order to win? Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, Michigan, like you said, has been very known for playing man-to-man defense um, on the outside and bringing a lot of a lot of heavy blitzes with Don Brown, their defensive coordinator. Um, Jim Harbaugh got rid of him after last year, which was a, a big move to make. They brought in Mike McDonald, who was with the Ravens um, since 2014, was their linebackers coach up until 2020, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's. It's going to be an, an interesting matchup. Uh, the, I'm not overly impressed with Michigan's uh, with Michigan's defense overall. Um, you know, against Michigan State, they really collapsed in the second half, and um, you know they're 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 a classic. You know, it's going to be hard to move the ball on them. A classic defense, but it's not like they're a, a stone wall out there. Um, there will be opportunities to be had. Um, I'm interested to see what game plan Mike Yersich draws up. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if, you know, how much Penn State's taking the weather into consideration, um, because I, I really do believe, uh, and I'm not bringing my weather bias into this, I really do believe that that's going to probably be the biggest factor in this game, especially with the two styles of the team. Um, so when we're talking Penn State's offense versus Michigan's defense, it goes without saying it's absolutely crucial that Penn State's able to get something going on the ground. Um and and you know be able to create momentum and uh i think that i i think that's going to probably be a pretty low scoring ball game yeah i agree with you and to, to your point about the weather it's interesting because all these teams they have uh analysts to talk about what to do on fourth down when to kick an onside kick mm-hmm. when to blitz situations i think you need a weather analyst on your nfl team or your college team to to account for these things in terms I of game know. plan mm-hmm. no so, i can- I agree. It's it's especially when you get into this time of year, it can it, it can completely alter team seasons. Um, you know, Penn State in two thousand eight, which was a very spread heavy offense, went out and played a, a overmatched Iowa team in very similar conditions that we're going to see Saturday: cold, windy, snow showers. And Daryl Clark, who had been a good quarterback, has small hands. His hands, you know, when it's cold out, it's hard to grip the ball. He didn't have a good game passing. Um, weather lost Penn State the chance that to go to a national championship. Um, you know, I, I I agree with you that I think that that's something that I don't know how much they're taking into account, but they have to take into account what what's going to happen on Saturday. That's why we have them on, folks. Analysis like any other. That's the Garrett Bastardi weather forecast for you for Saturday's game. Yes. Uh, Penn State owns the series 14-10 all time, which is crazy. Like, I feel like they, they played way more games than that. And I feel like Michigan has owned it. Like, I don't know why. I just feel like you think Penn State, Penn State, uh, Michigan, I feel like they've played way more than 24. Yeah, I guess until, um, uh, until 20, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, 1994, Penn State wasn't in the Big Ten. So, yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, it, that's, uh, that's an interesting t- statistic there, Mike. Yeah. And then you look at the coaches, uh, of course. Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin, who they they're lumped into the same category and for good reason. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't really care what Penn State fans think of me here. I love Coach Franklin and I love 
Coach Harbaugh. I think they're a lot alike. I, I'm going to give the upper hand to Coach Franklin. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but they're they've they're the same where they've they can't they beat Ohio State. Uh, Franklin's done it once. He has one Big Ten title, and of course, um, he has the win over Ohio State. But that's really the only separator against with these two guys. They're they're three and three head and head against one another. But it's it's interesting. Uh, as much as Michigan would hate to admit it, going into the season, Harbaugh is on the hot seat, and they're they're playing motivated for him. But I, it is Michigan. I know they have a five-star quarterback coming in next year to be the guy, and I think that's going to keep. It's almost he, uh, Harbaugh's handcuffed to him almost because if if they get rid of Harbaugh, which I don't think they do, I think the no, five stars no, no. gone too. But yeah, he's done enough to save his job. Yeah, absolutely, time. absolutely. On uh, Penn State, two two wins in a row over this team a lot of great memories from this rivalry of course the first is the most gut-wrenching the mario manningham back of the end zone that was one of my first penn state memories ever uh the saquon uh wildcat handoff fake handoff to trace was one of the coolest things i remember Uh, just being at the student section uh, just such a rich rich tradition with michigan um, do you have a favorite Michigan player of all time? Not necessarily. <sighs> um, I hate Michigan. Yeah, I do too. But do you have someone that you're like, okay, that guy's a stud? <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought Mike Hart was a, was a really solid yeah. running back. Um, he was a good player. Um, Denard Robinson was fun to watch. He's on the cover of NCAA football. Greatest um, game of all time. Devin Gardner was interesting. I remember him wearing number 98 for a season. Um, and honoring a, a former Michigan football player. Yeah, I'd say probably uh, Denard Robinson was a very fun uh, – call- remember he was, he was like shoelace or something. He wouldn't tie his shoes. Yeah, he – That guy, so – Major liability out there, but that's okay. But I, I will say that, you know, when it comes to teams that I like or dislike or whatever or programs, um, and it is Michigan week, so I, I think I can I can say this. I don't hate Ohio State. I respect them. They're a rival because every game's competitive, and that's great. Um, Michigan is just the worst. Like, they're the worst. They they think they're Harvard, and they think they're Alabama. And that's, like, the worst combination, and they're neither. And so um, it's – and not to mention, you and I grew up in a time when – from the time we were born to 2006 or 2007, they beat us every single year, most of the time in heartbreaking fashion. So – yeah that that was kind of our first memories of this team that sticks with you forever um don't really like michigan don't really like many of their players but um you know denard robinson's probably my favorite if i had to pick one i cried two times garrett Mm -hmm. um before the age of 10 i would say now yeah probably before the age of 10 because of sporting events the first was mario manningham's catch because it was when i was first getting into sports and i I saw the catch in the back of the end zone and the time and just the, the angle of the field goal net. And, and I, I bawled my eyes out. And the second was JJ Reddick's last game at Duke when they, <laughs> when they lost to uh, Glenn Davis and Tyrus Thompson, the March Madness sweet 16. And those were two memories that really stick with me. So anytime these two teams play, and of course the overtime game with Allen Robinson, that was amazing, amazing. Yeah. Bill Belton, throwing up the the double ones running into the end zone mm-hmm. rich tradition yep and um a lot of people went there let's talk about our favorite people to go to michigan 
Yeah. Um, not the state. <laughs> not, not just go, go visit Michigan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, is it my pick first this week? You can go first this week. Yes. All right. Um, I'm going to go Jawan Howard. Fab five. Um, uh, he, he's, he's cool. He's actually the head basketball coach at Michigan. He is. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Jawan Howard. I, I, I don't mind Michigan's basketball team very much. Fab five was cool. No, that's a sweet documentary. And I like what he's doing with that program now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot to pick from here. I'm going to go less miles. Oh, that's so good. And let's snake it. I want another pick too. Uh, Tom Brady. Okay, fine. Oh, which, which I thought you would take number one. I know. I thought that would be your one one. Yeah. As always, you're way more prepared than, for this than me. Yeah. Like my assistant, he has these ready for me. When Maryland Penn State ended, I got the email. Um, I have the documents that right after the game they send to me. Yeah. So you're you're always you're always prepared. See, I don't like you guys got everybody's got to know. Like Mikey has assistants. He's got everything. Like. I'm just the poor man that that comes on, you know. Mike exactly. Is the, big, the big news reporter on the beat, you know, chasing the big coaches around. He's got his his uh, his secretary. Capital J glasses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. All right. Is it my pick now? It's your it's your pick. Yes, sir. Oh, all right. Um, and you picked Brady and who else? Les Miles. Les Miles. Frick. That's a great pick. Uh, I'm gonna go Derek Jeter. People forget he went to Michigan. I think everyone knows that. Yeah, people forget that. So that's that's my two picks. Um, I'm uh, going to add one more because oh, okay. uh, your dad critiqued my picks last week by not picking Randy White, the great Cowboys. So I'm going to pick James Earl Jones because I know if we left him out, your dad would, would let us know about that. Um, probably would. Big Joe, the big, the big <laughs> teacher. All right. Yeah. Our favorite time. Um, I want you to tell me who's going to score the first touchdown and the mm-hmm. final score of the game. Uh, right now, it's a pick them. It's going back and forth. Yeah. One's each side. Over-under is hovering between 47 and 49, different books, depending on what you use. Prediction time. Garrett, who's winning the game? Who's scoring the first touchdown? What's going to happen in this yeah. uh, um, S-plus snow event? Ooh, so, I, don't, so, I don't know if it'll be S-plus. Is that great vocabulary? Use? Oh, all right. If Again, I'm, Big I'm Joe learning. is for this. He's going to be so proud of you. We got he will S- be. S-plus means heavy snow for those at home. Um, first person to score, you know, I'll, I'll ride the hot hand, uh, J- Jahan Dotson. Um, prediction, uh, well, I'm going to take the under, and I have uh, Michigan winning 20-14. to 14. Okay. Um, how do you see the first quarter going? Because I think that's crucial in how the rest of the game plays out. Yeah, I th- I think you know it's going to be pro- maybe seven three Michigan. I can see them. I can see them. You know, getting things going on the ground, um, settling in, taking the crowd out of it. And I- I'm not sure how much the crowd's going to be in it. It's going to be cold. It's going to be a noon game. Um, and you know, that's an, also another advantage to Michigan. You know, if it's three 30, the game's dark by the end of the first quarter. Um, you know, naturally when the lights come on, that place comes, comes alive a little more. Um, so I just don't know how much the crowd's going to be a factor. If Penn State can keep it close going into the second half, um, then yeah, I think that this can be a, a pretty competitive ball game. I wouldn't, but you know, early in the game, I could see Michigan getting things going on the ground early, 
Um, and Penn State's going to have to create a little bit of their own energy uh, as the game goes forward. I'm going to be a homer here. I'm going to take the Nittany Lions, and truthfully, I didn't account for the weather before, but I could still see it being this. I think it comes down to the leg of Jordan Stout. I think I'm envisioning a 27-24 Penn State victory. Whoa. I think it's an early start for the Nittany Lions. I, I do think there's they play better at home, and it's plain and simple. Against great teams, they play great at home. Mm-hmm. As far as first touchdowns, I'm going to get a little weird here. It's going to be – it's not going to be Brenton Strange or Theo Johnson. It's going to be a big man touchdown. I think it'll be toward the goal line. They're going to run something weird. Maybe like a uh, a tackle reporting is eligible, leaking out. Just I'm, I'm, I'm using my crystal ball here and, and trying to decide what's going to happen, and I think a lot of weird things will happen. Um, that being said, I think – uh, Aiden Hutchinson, their their DN. I think oh. he com- he comes up with a uh, a turnover somehow, and then uh, Joey Porter Jr. gets an interception. That's, okay, those are my predictions, but we'll see how it plays out. I, I hate the noon kick. I, I think it should be three thirty, but there's nothing we can do. If Penn State plays like they did their last noon kick, they're screwed. They're going to lose by fifty eight points. <laughs> That is very true. If they play like that, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> no doubt they're gonna get. I think that's that's a fair assessment. And they're gonna get ran over. So hopefully they're they're drinking the coffee, waking up, and getting yeah. ready to beat Michigan. More news on. Get the paper. Get awake. Get your coffee. Go take the dog for a walk, and then go over to the stadium and play some football. It sounds like a plan for me. There will be football, and we do a great job of covering it, Garrett. We do. As always, thanks for joining me we'll catch up later this week enjoy your time in the lone star state and thanks for thanks for being on sir yes sir